Welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Reimagined Mobility Podcast Series. I'm here with Paolo from Infinitum. Uh, Paolo, please explain to our listeners what is the company you're working for doing, what is their technology, and what is your your roles and responsibilities there? Sure. Uh, Infinitum Electric has uh, developed a technology for electric machines using PCB stators. So I have here a small example of a typical PCB stator. Uh, so the the major benefit that this technology brings is you can produce stators through a semi-automated process using regular PCB manufacturing technology, which is you know, pretty much independent of operator skills or abilities. You can produce this thing in large quantities, mass production. Uh, the one of the major benefits of this technology it reduces dramatically the weight of the stator. So uh, this this particular stator that I'm showing to you here is about a, a third of a horsepower uh, prototype that we built for one of our customers, and this is about ten times lighter than an equivalent uh, conventional induction motor stator. So the one of the, the uh, 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 benefits of this technology, you can make motors fairly light. Uh, we have a product line today that we're delivering to HVAC customers, uh, ranging from 5 horsepower all the way up to 15 horsepower in speeds varying from 1,800 RPM all the way up to 42 100 RPM uh, with integrated VFD, and uh, the motors weight about one half of the weight of a conventional induction motor used in those applications. The other thing too is the um, uh, the absence of a iron core around the stator basically eliminates the iron losses in a, that it's it's typical in a conventional electric machine. And, and the iron losses are sort of a hotel load, right? Whether you're running the machine at full load or you're running at partial load, they are there. So the this provides a fairly uh, good efficiency curve for our machine, uh-huh. which is also flat pretty much from full load all the way down to 25% load. Which is attractive, and because many of these applications they are not running machines flat out, right? Um, the uh, finally another uh, benefit of this this technology is is that it gives a, an aspect ratio uh, that can be attractive in some in some uh, applications. Like you know, it's a very short machine, however, is a large diameter. Uh, so, in uh, as an example, in fan walls that are used in uh, data centers, the uh, footprint of the electric motor is quite important. So we can actually have our motor coupled directly to the fan, and the footprint of the fan motor assembly is less than one half of we would have using a conventional machine mounted on a bracket and driving the uh, the fans. So 
it's uh, it has been a very interesting journey for us. I've been with the company uh, since August 2019. I was employee number three. <laughs> I have a responsibility for uh, R&D and, and product development. So all the the uh, uh, innovation that we brought to, the, to to this product, as well as new products that we have in our uh, pipeline, it's in my responsibility. We have, uh, as of now, uh, 44 patents issued and 45 pending all around this concept of a Axial flux, PCB stator, electric machine with an integrated VFD. Uh-huh. Interesting. Interesting. And if you highlight a little bit, I mean, the one thing I always notice is when I when I see your motors or read about your motors, right? It's 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 always red, and I know why. And I'll let you explain that uh, to the listeners afterwards. But what is the main application today of this technology and where maybe specifically you are you working on to get into? I mean, are we, are we talking heavy-duty trucks? Are we talking electric airplanes? Are we talking just passenger vehicles? Or we're not really talking in the traditional sense of, of mobility, but maybe different areas. Share a little bit of light on that, please. Yes, we, we've been dabbing into different applications within the large mobility uh, uh, universe. Um, the uh, uh, one of one area that we we've been uh, very active is are in PTO applications. There is a large, there is a, a big effort in the industry to electrify everything, right? So uh, uh, there are several OEMs operating in the automotive industry today, or the general mobility uh, industry today where they're trying to convert uh, mechanisms in trucks or or utility vehicles like, you know, tractors, off-road vehicles that today are either, either driven by the uh, East ICU or through a uh, hydraulic pump or something like that to electric. And uh, so the, 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 the small footprint of our motor the the lightweight is attractive from that perspective, as well as the efficiency is also a good factor because if you're going to be powering these motors from batteries, you want to be as stingy as possible <laughs> with with the energy consumption. Uh, we have looked into traction applications. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult because uh, if you look today. The vast majority of electric vehicles they use a convention they use a radial flux machine. So the from the aspect ratio standpoint is a little bit challenging to design a axial flux machine with the same torque and power that fits the same footprint as a as a radial flux machine. So what we try to do is to work together with companies that are developing new drivetrains so we can get our product design into their product from the beginning. And we are not focusing exclusively into into uh, traction, autom- automotive traction. Uh, we're talking with companies that are uh, trying to develop electric motors for marine applications. 
um, as well. And uh, uh, the heat and, and trucks, trucks primarily because you usually have a little bit more space. You do, work. yes. <laughs> so uh, we, we, that, that has been our, we recently uh, built and tested a prototype, which was the first one. It was a 150 kilowatt motor uh, with uh, liquid cooling. Uh, this was a major leap for us because up up until now our largest motor was rated 15 horsepower, and this one is 200, so it was like a 13 time jump in in power. Uh, we completed the tests recently. Uh, we have achieved our power and torque objectives, uh, and uh, and now we are working together with uh, some consultants to address some of the issues identified during the testing. One of the things that we uh, we struggle a little bit with is the we, we using direct oil cooling motors and and we take advantage of the large surface to volume ratio of a PCB stator. So the, the cooling is quite effective and um, however we we have a large surface area in the stator and the rotor, and uh, that generates a lot of drag losses. So we that increases the mechanical losses of the system, so the overall efficiency of the system came out as lower than we expected. Okay. So we're actively working on trying to improve the oil delivery and the cooling system, and uh, there were some other uh, uh, tweaks that we, we intend to do in the design to make the motor electrically more more efficient. So our goal is probably to have a second prototype uh, within the next few months that is going to go through another extensive set of testings. And we, we want to have a, a prototype that we can offer to OEMs as a kind of a technology demonstration so they can actually test it in their own labs and and figure out exactly what this technology can do for them. And with with that testing you're talking about, I assume it's truly a traction motor then, right? Yeah, we tested as as a traction motor. So basically, we coupled the motor to a dynamometer yep. and we we tested it over a wide range of speeds and torque levels. Um, and we have all this data collected. We have shared with actually some of our uh, potential customers at this point, uh, they they were encouraged by the results. Given this is our first stab at a motor of this power, right? Uh, and um, but we we were not there yet. We we have some uh, uh, hurdles to to overcome, but I think it was very encouraging for us that we managed to achieve the target power and the target torque right in the first attempt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations on that. That's definitely Thank you. an achievement. Thank is, you. Is your vision then when you work, and you said, again, you have R&D under, un, under yourself, is your vision then to become not only a, let's say, a, an auxiliary system or, or motor provider for the mobility space, but also traction, and on top of that also then become a, a manufacturer or more of a technology licensor to the OEMs who then want to do their own 
build their own motor, so to speak. Yeah, we we are sort of agnostic about how do we we apply the technology. In the HVAC space that I mentioned to you, we built our own product. We don't build in-house. We have a contract manufacturer uh, uh, that built the motors according to our specifications. Uh, they, the, the equipment that they have is actually supplied by us. So we, we have actually recently uh, uh, put together a automated motor assemb- rotor assembly line where magnets are placed on a rotor disc using a robotic arm. Uh, it goes through balancing and magnetization through completely uh, uh, automated line. And this is, is, it is being brought on uh, uh, online is, uh, in the past few months. We should be able to produce close to 100,000 motors uh, with just this line. Operating okay. shift, and yeah. that's what we we want to achieve. So, in the mobility space, we are we we've been discussing with our customers. The usually companies in the uh, in in the mobility area, they they have very good relationship with their supply chains. They are actually very aggressive in terms of cost reduction. So, we are open if it makes sense from the from the cost standpoint. For them to build the product with our technology, we are fine with that. In fact, one of the customers that we've been working with in the uh, uh, marine space, they express interest in actually building our motors in their production line themselves. Right. Yeah. And we yeah. are fine. Yeah. Interesting. When you look at the the e-motor space, and let's let's stay for a moment with traction motors. Right. What, what is it? What is it that impresses you the most with how far the industry has come, or maybe doesn't impress you? It's okay too. How far the industry has come, right? I mean, let's say five years ago, really the only ones that that people looked at was was what Tesla was doing, right? Today you have GM that's pushing things, new technologies. You have you have Lucid that came out with a with a very uh, impressive. Um, piece of technology, obviously integrated into a, into an e axle, but nevertheless, the, the e motor there is a, is a critical piece. And you have many other OEMs that they are going the same way. What is it when you look at it a little bit, maybe from the outside, or so the guys that are trying to come in? Which ones are the ones you're sort of looking at yourself and say, "I want to follow those guys and I'm going to beat those guys," right? Mm-hmm. But which ones are the ones you're you're looking at? Well, I you know I being an electrical engineer. And I have I have worked for many years with traction motors for rail applications. Okay. Uh, one thing that really impresses me in the in the electric vehicle industry today is how far uh, OEMs have gone in terms of increasing the power density of the okay. machines, uh, which is something that we are pursuing as well. So uh, you know. Not long ago, you would talk about uh, uh, power densities on the order of three watts per kilogram. People would say, whoa, that's really aggressive, right? <laughs> and I was talking about 12. Right? Yeah. So that's uh, that, that's a, a, a quantum leap from what we are 
sure. we were before. And I think we can achieve similar power densities with our products. However, when you look into the the uh, 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 the technology that is being used today in in electric motors, and I have seen videos online from uh, you know Audi, their uh, automated assembly line, and and some of the other companies, it's uh, uh, it's quite impressive. But if when you look at the complexity of the motor construction, there is a lot of steps and a lot of moving parts that need to come together like you know you need to form hairpin coils you need to uh weld uh uh, uh, brace them together you need to insulate the whole thing you need to stack up uh laminated cores and things like that and then we look at in and uh it's it's amazing the how the level of automation that all these oems have been using today Right. Uh-huh. Um, and but also makes you think about the massive investment behind it. Yeah. Um, I think the the uh, axial flux uh, motors are becoming are, are coming into the market right now. You know, we just here recently the acquisition uh, of Yasa by Mercedes Benz, and uh, and there are some high end. Uh, car manufacturers that are using axial flux machines. But axial flux machines, these are more complex to build than radial flux machines. And this is kind of a, one of the barriers for, I would say, the adoption of this technology more more, more broadly. The um, the PCB stator technology that, that we, we use, the, 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 the assembly and the manufacturing of the machine is extremely simple. Uh, and um, so that it's an attractive feature that could help uh, OEMs to adopt this technology because the you know the investment and in automation is going to be much lower. Uh, it's a much simpler pro- pro- product to build to test, um, and uh, that's kind of what we we are betting in, but. As I mentioned before, we have, uh, uh, you know, the activation barrier to get into this market is pretty high right now because the 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 the, the baseline in terms of power density, torque density is already very high. So we need to get there, and and this requires a fair amount of work on our sure. part as well. So, so what do you see? I mean, you said we were at three watts per kilogram. Now we're at twelve. Mm-hmm. Where are we going to be in five years in, in Europe? Well, you know, in, in one point, you're going to hit the laws of physics, right? And you cannot violate them. There has been a lot of, uh, you know, in, in, in the past several years, I, I was involved in projects related to, you know, superconductivity and things like that. Yeah, you can probably get to numbers much higher than that, but the complexity of the system becomes a, a problem and when you talk about reliability it's also something that is not fully uh, uh, addressed today. Yeah, good point. The the technology that we have today as I mentioned with radio flux machines and what many of the OEMs are doing is remarkable not just because of the high power density but also the, the reliability. 
one of the things that uh, people ask us all the time about our technology is, what about reliability? Because people think think PCB is great for cell phones and uh, <laughs> you know radios and uh, computers. Sure. Cool about what about a motor, right? So we did a fair amount of work ourselves, and we actually used work done by uh, people before us, trying to assess and understand the the reliability of a uh, PCB state. And uh, we do have uh, test data that shows the a PCB stator under the same temperature and voltage stress conditions last about 10 times longer than an equivalent copper wound state. Interesting. And the reasons basically come from what I mentioned earlier. It, you can produce ECB stators in an automated process with very high repeated uh, repeatability and consistency. It's virtually void-free which in an electric machine, when you talk about insulation systems and things like that, uh, being void-free is really important because that's where the, the insulation fails and that's where the motor fails, right? So that gives us uh, an advantage over the existing technology, the fact that we can produce uh, stators that are void-free, very consistent, and 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 it's in the in the large numbers, so this is an attractive aspect that actually caught the attention of some of our potential customers. Some of the other elements of the motor, like you know bearings, are no different than than what is used today in the industry. Uh, so there's not like a big difference of from from our technology to others. Uh, but the stator definitely is is I think a strong point in 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 our uh, uh, product. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Maybe the last question, Paulo, for you is what? Again, you have you have history. You worked with with traction motors before. The motors you're working with now very interesting. Again, you just mentioned repeatability, quality, uh, all very important pieces, and not. The least to mention again the cost of manufacturing. You mentioned a tremendous cost uh, right now incurred by the OEMs with some of those motors, and they're obviously always looking at not only weight reduction, efficiency improvement, but also cost reduction. But for the last question, what do you look forward to over the next five years, and in, in maybe what you're working in in the in the industry as a whole, or maybe just in the mobility space as a whole? doesn't need to be where you're at, but from a technology perspective, when we again talk about we're reimagining mobility here together, what, what do you look forward to over the next five years? Yeah, our, our focus over the next five years is to find ways of increasing the, the power density and, and, and the volume of our machine to, uh, to, to, uh, uh, achieve what is being practiced today or beat that. And we have some products in our pipeline that are uh, showing to be very, very competitive and, and very attractive. Uh, it's still based on the, the PCB stator uh, uh, technology. This is, a, this is a feature of our motors that we don't want to abandon anyway. 
but we are adding other other elements to to the motor that will help to increase power density. And uh, we we are actually actively testing some prototypes, and we believe that probably within the next uh, uh, eighteen months to two years, we'll probably have something that we can start offering to to the market. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Very I'm, good, Paolo. Appreciate it. Thank you for your time and well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Reimagine Mobility Podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.